This message is presented by Pastor Chuck Wilson. Okay, here we go. We're going to finish up Daniel chapter 3 now. The fiery furnace out of the fire, out of the frying pan into the fire. The fiery furnace, say that 10 times fast. Out of the frying pan into the fire. Daniel 3, 19 to 30. Through 30. Yep, we're going to get through 30. So, interesting story, this part of it now. Have you ever found yourself really stuck in a very difficult situation and there was just no way out? That's what we're going to look at today. Uh, I was trying to think of a story that would kind of connect with that. And <clears throat> I thought of what happened on the farm one time. I was getting ready to go get the cows. And I had to go get them out of the pasture, bring them up through the barnyard. And one of my little buddies was over next door neighbor named Peter. I'm not going to use his last name, uh, but Pete. And uh, Pete uh, said, I want to go with you. And he, you know, he was hanging out around, and I had all these little buddies. And I said, okay, you can come with me, but you got to watch where you're walking because the, the barnyard's got a lot of dangerous spots. Because what happened is it was cement, but there were a lot of holes where that over the years it would get chipped or break, and then it would get manure, full of manure, and turn into a little quicksand. And most of the times you'd go up to your knees or something if you didn't know where you were going. But <clears throat> there was one really bad spot. It was actually in the edge of the barnyard. It was like there was an electric fence, and then there was a cement, and there was like about a couple feet drop off. We all knew it was like a, a, a bog. It was a, a, we called it the quicksand pit, only it wasn't quicksand, it was manure. And, and there was an underground spring there, and the manure kind of ran off there, and it just kind of created this very dangerous quicksand, quick manure spot. And so we all knew to stay away from that. But I said, okay, Peter, make sure you walk where I'm walking. Follow me, Pete. So I start walking, and Pete was a little bit of a know-it-all at that age. <laughs> Pete. And so he uh, he didn't listen to me. And I start walking carefully across through the manure and I'm making sure I'm landing on cement on the way through. And all of a sudden I hear, Chuck, help me. And I turn around and not only was he off the cement in bad spot, but he was in the quicksand, the, the manure, quick manure. And he was sinking up to his knees. I'm like, Pete, what are you doing? You're supposed to walk. Help me. I'm sinking. I'm sinking. And he was. And I go running over and I, I grabbed a hold of him and he's sinking. And we, we never quite knew how far down this went. One time we had this real long stick because kids lost shoes and different things in there. One time we stuck a stick way, way down. We never reached the bottom. It was a long, long stick. We had no idea. Pete is sinking in this. And so I'm like, start to pull on him, pull on him. And it's sucking him in. He is being pulled down and you know you're not supposed to struggle if you're in quicksand you're supposed to just lay there real still tip in case you're ever in a jungle and you get stuck in quicksand or in a or in a barnyard and uh but he was fighting 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 and i was trying to get him out and he kept sinking kept going down down and now he's up to his waist and he's up to his waist and i i cannot pull him out and he's screaming and and then i started help 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 because this is gonna look bad how am i gonna explain it to the police i don't know where he is he went down you know he's in the manure and you know, it's not gonna look good for me right and i'm pulling on him pulling on him he's yelling and and i'm screaming and now he's up to his chest. He's got one arm out and the other one's like, you know, <laughs> treading water. And and, he, and I'm holding on his arm and I'm slipping and I'm in the edge. And I'm not going down, but I'm slipping in. I'm up to my knees and, and I'm, you know, ready to, I'm trying to think, what am I going to do? Hang on or not? And I'm screaming, screaming. And I, I'm like, we're going to lose him. And and my mom just happened to be out in the barn feeding the calves or something. And she heard all this yelling. And she's like, what is Chucky up to now? You know? And so she comes out. And I forget. She looks out there and she sees Peter you know, with the arm and the head. 
out of the manure, me holding on, and up to my knees, you know, on the edge, you know, just skidding on the edge, and she's like, <gasps> she comes running out really fast, <clears throat> comes running out really fast, grabs his other arm, starts to pull, you know, and we, and we, <clears throat> it was hard, it was hard to get him out, it took a long time, but we finally, my mom and I finally get him out of that manure, and he is covered with more, but he's, he lived, he lived, he was alive. He's covered with manure. And he's crying and upset. He's like, oh, I look at me. I'm covered with manure. My grandma's going to kill me because his grandma was babysitting him. Well, she wasn't babysitting him. They had no idea where he was, probably. So he, uh, <clears throat> so he, I said, don't worry, Pete. We'll get you cleaned up. I'll get you cleaned up. So I took him over in front of the barn. I got the hose out of the milk house. And I started spraying him, spraying him. He was covered. It was horrible and he's like I'm like, he's crying he got manure spraying him then i took the hose inside of his shirt and i started spraying and no kidding the, the water was coming out of his pant legs just manure pouring out of his pant legs with water mixed together i did the best i could i did the best i could i said okay pete let's let's get you home he goes my grandma's gonna kill me she's gonna kill me she's gonna kill me I go, she's just gonna be happy you're alive pete she won't kill you she's just gonna be happy you're alive and and so i i get over to his house, we walked across the road, get over to his house, and uh, he's standing on the porch, dripping, smelling, you know, and, and I'm like, don't worry, Pete, she's just going to be happy or alive, and I, and I knocked on the door, and I ran like crazy, because I knew she was going to kill him, and I don't want to be killed too, uh, so I don't even know what happened to him, I never did find out, but he did survive, you think, what a horrible situation to be stuck in the manure that way, but that is nothing compared to the mess that we're going to see today that our heroes, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, find themselves in today here in Daniel chapter 3. Now, don't forget, we saw how Nebuchadnezzar tried to make them bow down to the idol, they wouldn't do it, and now they're going to be thrown into the blazing fire. This is a prophetic picture of the end times, we've been talking about that, the book of Revelation, and the book of Daniel is all about preparing and also asking the question, when bad things happen, is God still in control? This book is that answer that he is in control, that we can be faithful to him through this time that we're going to be facing. Let's start with prayer. Father, we pray that our ears would be open and our hearts would be open to what your Holy Spirit is trying to teach us, how he's trying to prepare us for the crises that we're facing today, the trials that we're facing right now, and the trials that we will be facing much bigger ones someday as it comes close to the time for your son Jesus to come back again. And once again, we pray that everyone will be prepared spiritually by putting their faith in your son Jesus. If anyone has not put their faith in him, that they would do that after, right now as we go through this passage. They would understand and put their faith in Jesus, giving their life to him. We pray for your mercy and grace now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's pick it up. Daniel chapter 3, <clears throat> verse 19 we'll pick it up with. Verse 19, and I'll read, I'll read the passage here. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual, and his and commanded some of his strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent <clears throat> and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Then the king... 
Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come out! Come here! So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Wow! So, verse 19. Verse 19, when the king says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious. Remember the whole tolerance thing? Here we see it played out. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Seven times hotter. This is a figurative expression, obviously. It means as hot as possible. Make it as hot as you can. His temper had clouded his judgment because if he really wanted to hurt these guys, he really wanted to punish them, what should he have done? Turned it down. <laughs> Not made it too hot. Let him cook slowly. You know, you see all the Wild West torture stories. You know, that's how they should have done. But no, his, his temper had clouded his judgment. He lost his mind and he's going to just disintegrate them instantly. Lesson for us today. If we are going to take a stand for Jesus Christ, don't expect applause. Don't expect instant rewards. Expect to lose friends. Expect to fail a course. Expect to lose a job. That's what we expect. Satan will get mad if we won't compromise. He will turn up the heat. If we decide we're going to take a stand for Jesus, if we decide we're going to take a stand for sanctification, if we decide to do that, Satan is going to turn up the heat. Remember the Israelites, when they decided that they weren't going to, that they wanted to leave Egypt, they wanted to get out of slavery, they weren't going to be slaves anymore to Pharaoh. What did Pharaoh do? Oh, sure, go on ahead, go on out. No, he said, now you're going to make bricks without straw. He took away the straw. He made it a lot harder on them. What did they say? Oh, Moses, what did you do? Why would you leave us alone? Let us stay here in our slavery. They tried to back down because that's what Satan's trying to do. He's trying to discourage us. If we decide we're going to live free, if we're going to live different, if we're going to fight that temptation or whatever, whatever happens, it's going to increase. It's going to get seven times hotter. People come to me and say, why did I get hit so hard when I decided to do X, Y, and Z for Jesus, or, or to, to purify my life, or sanctify, sanctification. I said it's because Satan's turning up the heat. He wants you to back down. Satan will turn up the temptations. The attacks that we are used to will get hotter. The addictions that we're trying to get free of will get that much stronger. If we decide we're going to give God, we're going to tithe, all of a sudden we're going to be hit with money problems and all kinds of car breakdowns and, and all kinds of problems. If we decide we are going to be pure, we're going to get hit with all every imaginable attack you can imagine they're going to come out of left field why because satan knows if he can discourage us we will turn we many of us will turn back many turn back if you decide that you're going to become a christian today you're going to be hit if you decide you're going to start sharing your faith you're going to take some shots you say i'm going to go to school and i'm going to live like a christian or i'm going to be pure i'm going to be pure brace yourself expect the attacks it's going to get seven times hotter 
but don't get discouraged because something positive is going to come of this as we're going to see. And this is really, once again, a picture of the end times. It's going to get really hot in the end times. This is a preparation for that as we get closer to the time of Jesus Christ. So back to Daniel chapter 3, verse 20 now. Look what happens here. Before we see what happens to them, let's see what happens to someone else. And Nebuchadnezzar commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing fire. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. But look what happened to the soldiers. They were killed. The ones doing Nebuchadnezzar's bidding, the doing the dirty work, they were killed. They were killed. Reminds me of the story I read in Voice of the Martyrs. Voice of the Martyrs is a great magazine every month, and you can get it online. It's just incredible stories of, of persecution and Christians staying firm under persecution, and how we can help persecuted Christians. Voice of the Martyr, Open Door Ministries is another great one just like that. But listen to this. This is a story of a brother, David Clausen. He was a Russian prisoner. He was going to be thrown, and this story is in Voice of the Martyrs. He was going to be thrown into a burning oven. They're still doing it. Uh, the communists, this is back when the communists were running the show, although they still kind of are, I guess. But while the, they're just undercover now. But while the communists worked to heat it to the maximum, they were heating up the stove, the oven exploded and killed the henchmen. Klassen is still alive in Germany and now does missionary work for Russia. He survived. Uh, it blew up and killed the workers. And this is a picture. Nebuchadnezzar didn't care about those guys. He didn't care about them. And Nebuchadnezzar is a picture of the Antichrist and a picture of Satan. Satan despises his servants. He just uses them. And then he discards them. When he's done with them, he, he discards them. He kills them when their usefulness is done. We see this so often with these celebrities, these these athletes or these movie stars or, or porn stars or reality stars or, or music uh, uh, artists who, who push all kinds of garbage and poison uh, on everyone else and lead others to destruction. But then at some point, Satan says, I'm done with you. You're no longer useful. And destroys them. Look what happens to them. Study the lives. Pay attention. Satan, once he's done using them, he discards them. He discards them. And this is also a picture of the end times. 666. Satan knows that why he wants everybody to take the, the number. 666. He knows that they'll all be in hell with him. He wants to take as many as he can with him. He doesn't care about anybody. He wants to destroy us. He hates us. So, back to, uh, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's going to be hot, but no matter how hot it gets, God is with us and God is in control. Look at verse 23. And these three men firmly tied fell into the blazing furnace. Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, O king. This is unbelievable. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound. Remember that, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. A son of the gods. Jesus Christ stands with us in our trials. A son of the gods. He was the son of God. This was a Christophany. This was Jesus appearing in the fire can you imagine what they talked about? Here's the Nebuchadnezzar freaking out. What's going 
going out. Get my sunglasses. You know, get my welding helmet. You know, we used to use a welding helmet on the farm to look at the really hot fire. You know, welding fire. You know, get my welding helmet. You know, look at the eclipse. You know, the eclipse glasses. Get get my glasses. But but in here, these guys are in there calmly talking. Jesus says, it's not time for you guys yet. Your faith was awesome. I commend you for your faith. But it's not time yet. I'm going to send you back out there. Out there. Can you imagine this calm talk in the midst of this fire? This is a picture of the end times. Jesus is going to take us through some very, very hot times. But no matter, no matter when we think, whenever the rapture is going to happen, doesn't matter what we think, but it doesn't matter when the rapture happens. Whenever it happens, pre, mid, trib, whenever it happens, it's still going to be plenty hot for all of us, no matter what. And this, no matter what, no matter what, Jesus stands with us. He will save us. He has the power to save us. Or he will stand with us. He will stand with us through that fire, through that hot time. One way or another, he is there and he is in control. And sometimes he calls people home and sometimes he leaves them here for the battles. There was a, a Christian, once again, in um, By Their Blood, the book By Their Blood that I keep mentioning. Read it if you haven't read it yet. By Their Blood. But it was about... Um, I can't read it. i got the tears here. Just a minute. Uh, it was a story about... Let's see the guy's name here. Cornelius Martins. Cornelius Martins... He was caught by the communists. This is the USSR. He, um, he was taken with his companions and they were all shot in front of him. They were all one by one shot, given a chance to, to turn away from Jesus. They didn't do it. They were just praying. Shot right in front of him. They just left one guy alive, Martins. They didn't kill him. They end up take, he ends up being taken to uh, uh, the party boss. And once again, they're trying to scare him and intimidate him. And he said, I don't fear to die for I will be going home to God if God takes me. But but you can't do anything to me unless God allows you. He tells the party boss, this, the communist party boss, there's nothing you can do to me unless God allows it. And this guy got in a rage. He says, I'll prove to you what your God will not deliver you out of my hands. What does that sound like? He lifted his revolver to shoot him, but his finger froze on the trigger. Three times he tried to fire the gun and failed. His face reddened, says here, his face reddened, his body quivered until it seemed like he would have a heart attack. Finally, he lowered the gun and asked the minor official, what is this man condemned for? The official replied, he is a Baptist. Can't you see that God is fighting for him? And Baptists were known in the USSR as born-again Christians. Uh, and, and, and the party boss said, go, never show yourself here again. And he was afraid of the guy. And he said, get out of here. And this guy went out and became a, reaching all kinds of people for Christ, all kinds of conversions. God took his friends home, kept him there. God could have saved them all. God could have brought him home. We are in God's hands. We're in God's hands. And we're, we're, we're protected by God. Jesus stands with us. Jesus stands with us in our trials, in what we're going through, when we're sick, when we're grieving, when we're persecuted, when we're, when we're going through these times, that's when we feel closest to Jesus. When do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego felt closest to God? When do you think? In the fire. <laughs> they probably never felt closer. 
And that's the truth of us. When we're going through a trial and Jesus stands with us, that's when we feel the closest to him. That's when we know his mercy and grace in the most powerful way. And it reminds me of what happened, I don't know if you remember 2002 in Somerset, Pennsylvania here. I don't know if you remember, there was nine miners who were trapped down in the flooded coal mine. They were trapped there for three days. Ooh, three days? Jonah? Trapped 200 feet, 40 feet underground. Hundreds of people were praying for them, you know, trying to get them out. And they, they finally, uh, they finally get out. And they, when they got out, they come to have this special church service and they lit 10 candles. They put 10 helmets and 10 candles. And everybody's like, there's only nine of you. They said, nope. There were 10 of us. Nine of us. And Jesus let us out. He let us out of that mind. He got us out. They knew it. They felt his presence there. They remember that. God will, Jesus will stand with us. He'll either deliver us or he'll stand with us what we go through. And, and, and look what he does, what, what he uses that fire for. He actually uses that fire for our good. Look at, once again, chapter 3, verse 26. And once again, I'm going to try to read it. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing fire furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. No smell of fire on them. Look what, look what happens after all they've been through. What was missing? They, there was no fight. Their clothes were fine. Their hair was fine. Everything was fine. There's only one thing they lost in that fire. Did you pick it up as we did this? Remember earlier it said they were unbound. The only thing that burned were the ropes. Only the ropes. They weren't burned. Their clothes weren't burned. Just the ropes that were holding them were burned off. Burned off of them. That was it. They were unbound. We saw that earlier when we were reading. If we take a stand against the world, against the world's idols, against Satan, against the sin, against the flesh, Jesus will stand with us. And the fire will backfire and we will be set free. We will be set free. The strongholds that had us, the strongholds that had us, when we fight against these temptations that get seven times hotter, when we fight against these temptations that get seven times hotter, they are going to, sorry, I stepped on my cord. They, those, those temptations, that's what's going to burn up. It's the, the temptations. That when we fight against the temptations, it's only going to make us stronger because the ropes are going to burn off. The strongholds are going to burn off and we're going to be able to help other people find freedom. When we come through our fires, we're going to end up free of what we're worried about to start with. We're going to be free. Persecution. End times, as we come closer to the time of Christ, this will, this will purify the church. Persecution will purify the church. It will purify us. That's the whole purpose of trials. That's the whole purpose of the persecutions, is to purify us. Reading, uh, in, uh, I don't even know what magazine this is, but I read a great story by Freddie Sun, talking about the communist Chinese, Chinese 
Chinese Communist 1949 when they took over. It says, and this is his perspective. He says, then like King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, Mo erected his own image all over the country and ordered everyone to bow down three times daily before it. This is what he did, Mo, Mo did in uh, China. Masses of people bowed down before his image, singing his praises and holding his little red book, Sayings of Chairman Mao, in their Mao, sorry, Mao, in their hands, he dreamed all of China would be unified when subjugated to his great thought. The brainwashing continued for 30 years and did not cease until several years after Mao's death in 1976. The brutal communist propaganda machine crushed Buddhism. It crushed Confucianism. It crushed the worship of ancestors and idols. But evangelical believers stood strong. They clung to their belief in Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. Meeting in house churches through the Great Tribulation, these born-again Christians, barely one million in 1949, grew to about 50 million, and now we know it's up to about 100, 100 million today. That is what has happened. That is what has happened through the persecution fires. Here, the next little article I pulled out was from uh, World Net Daily, talking about faith under fire. It's talking about what's happening in China today and what's going on. It says, worship services are being broken up by baton-wielding police officers, participants arrested, Bibles confiscated, and church buildings demolished. But still, an estimated 3,000 people every day come to a knowledge of Jesus Christ in China. This is from Voice of the Martyrs. They're quoting Voice of the Martyrs. Voice of the Martyrs said that more than a 50-year campaign to eradicate Christianity from China has left the nation with an equivalent of a new megachurch being added every day. The Chinese house church movement, which comprises approximately 90% of China's Christians, endures unimaginably, unimaginable persecution, yet stands on its commitment to preach the gospel no matter the cost. Christians simply adjust to the persecution at hand, including arrest, demolished buildings, and confiscated materials. How would we do? But that's the purpose of the persecution. It's to purify, and that's why we might need to, well, that's why we will need to see this. The church in America needs this more than the church in China now. Boy, do we need it, as we've been seeing as we've gone through 6% biblical worldview, all this crazy stuff. So, the result of this persecution is purification. But there's also another immediate result we see here, a couple results in chapter 3, verses 28 to 30. We're going to wrap up with this. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who says anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces. There it is again. Cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. They get promoted even higher when God sees that we're, we're faithful. He can use us even more. He keeps promoting us. And this is the last time we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego mentioned. We don't know the end of the story, although we do know that their walk with Jesus ended up in a permanent fellowship with Jesus in heaven. But can God use us? 
is are we ready to be promoted? Are we faithful in small things? Are we ready for the bigger challenges? And also I want to see what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. Another surprise ending with Nebuchadnezzar. He takes the next step in his faith. He's not there yet, but it's another step in the process of him coming to faith in the one true God. It takes time. It takes for people relationships. It's often a process, these steps of faith. Remember step number one, we saw it in chapter one. Step number one, he saw the difference between Daniel and his three friends. He saw the difference in them. He saw that they ate the right kind of food and that they were better than all the wise guys of of Babylon. And that's so often what happens. People see us, they get to know us, relationship evangelism they get to know us step number two chapter two they were he was impressed with the jewish god remember the dream they they he they he, he daniel interpreted the dream so he puts daniel shadrach meshach and abednego on the dream team he he sees god's power in their life he's very impressed with god now now he just sees the difference in the believers but now he's impressed with god but he's still not there chapter three now step number three now he says he's the top god He's the most high. There's no other God that can save this way. He puts him at the top of the totem pole because he still has a totem pole. He's still polytheistic, right? But God is now number one. He now sees the highest power, the higher power, the highest power now is identified. It's the Hebrew God. It's Jehovah. He's not saved. He's not instead of a personal relationship, a personal faith, but he's progressing. Wait till we get there. Even this wicked guy, Nebuchadnezzar, gets there. Wait till we see this. It's, it's an amazing story. What was the main reason? What was the main reason that he takes this last step? What was the main reason? What did God use? He saw faith under fire. That's what took Nebuchadnezzar to take step number three. He saw faith under fire. He saw how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego handled the crisis that he put them in. And when people see how we handle trials and we keep our faith, and we trust in God, it's going to impact them more than any words. We shouldn't need to use words. We need to preach the gospel. We need to share the gospel. But it's our, our lives that have the greatest impact, more than words. And as we get into this end times, as we move into this, we're going to see that the Antichrist will demand to be worshipped. And when we refuse, it will have a powerful effect, just like it did in these other stories I've told you. It will have a powerful effect, just like it has since the beginning, when the, when the Christ, early Christians were being persecuted. It's going to have a powerful effect. In fact, I saw this in uh, Voice of the Martyrs again. Got to read it. Got to get it. Got to have it. Voice of the Martyrs told a story about the year 237 AD. It said the Christians were assembled in their churches or meeting places, praising their Savior, a lot of house churches at this time, when the emperor, Roman Emperor Maximin, 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 sent his soldiers to lock up all the churches and meeting places. He ordered that wood be placed around them and set on fire to burn all the Christians inside. Before the wood was ignited, it was proclaimed that whoever would come out and offer a sacrifice to the god Jupiter could save his life and also be rewarded by the emperor. The Christians replied that they knew nothing of Jupiter, that Christ was their Lord and God, by the honor of his name and calling upon the same, they would live and die. It is to be regarded as a special miracle that among so many thousands of Christians, there was not one found, not one, who desired to go out in order to save his life by denying Christ. For all remained together with one accord, singing and praising Christ, as long as the smoke and flames permitted them to use their tongues. This comes out of Martyr's Mirror, book 2. Wow. So from the beginning, from the beginning, when, when people see 
that we are willing to take a stand for Jesus Christ, go through the fires for Jesus Christ, it's going to reach people. Who is God calling you to reach? Who, what is he using in your life to show his power, the reality of your faith? What trial, what witness, what step are you on? witnessing to someone in a relationship or they see the power of Christ in your life or they see your faith in the midst of trials? How is that impacting and touching other people? How is that happening? I remember when Tony Dungy, I saved this article from what happened with Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy, football coach, NFL, what a guy. In the early mornings of December twenty second, 2005, Tony and his wife Lauren Dungy lived a parent's worst nightmare when they learned that their eldest son and the second of their five children, 18-year-old James, had been found dead. His death was ruled a suicide. Ruled a suicide. A lot of you remember this story. And yet Dungy was able to live with other parents who have lost children often described as an unbearable pain because of his faith. Great coaches have the ability to see the game differently. Great men are able to view life's unfortunate circumstances from a unique perspective. Dungy is doing that. Dungy, a devout Christian, believes that no matter what happens, that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord. Dungy didn't fret when the Eagles twice and the Packers once passed on hiring them as their as head coach, even when the Buccaneers fired him, instead holding firm to his faith that God was in charge and had a plan for his life and career, which we know ended up even being a Super Bowl championship. Uh, the day it happened, Eric, uh, Eric recalls one of his other, uh, let's see here, who's Eric? Uh, well, anyway, Eric, the day it happens, it was recalled. He was sad, but he wasn't a wreck or anything. He just kept his faith in God. The only word I can think of to describe it is extraordinary, one of his other coaches said. But because so many, maybe millions were watching, Dungy believes, just as he told another coach, that God has placed him in this position, not for him and his family to suffer, but so that they can be an example to others, a testimony. Dungy's seen it in thousands of letters his family has received, citing one in particular. A girl wrote to tell him that because of what she saw and heard during James' funeral at the church, Idlewood Baptist Church, <laughs> can never have too many Baptists, in Tampa, that she'd come, come to know God and been baptized there. Dungy could see God at work in the letter, informing the family that two people can literally... Uh, Literally see now, oh, oh, I'm misreading this. Dungy could see God at work in the letter informing the family that two people can literally see now because they received James' donated corneas. In January, Dungy managed to pen an encouraging letter to Rhonda Brown, wife of former NFL defensive back Dave Brown, after her husband died at age 52 of a heart attack while playing basketball. I wrote, I don't know exactly what you are feeling, but I know that the Lord can get you through it. That's the encouraging thing that I can say to people now, that you'll make it. The Lord has a plan, Dungy said. We always think the plans are A, B, C, D, and everything is going to be perfect for us, and it may not be that way, but it's still his plan. A lot of tremendous things are going to happen. It just might not be the way you see them. You may not win the Super Bowl. Your kids may not go on to be doctors and lawyers and everything may not go perfectly. That doesn't mean it was a bad plan or the wrong thing. It's just like a football season. Everything's not going to be perfect. You're going to have some losses that you're going to have to bounce back from and some things that are a little unforeseen that you're going to have to deal with. It's how you work your way through that makes such a difference.
Tony Dungy. I just thought that was a, a perfect picture of what, I'm, what we're, we're talking about here. What step are you on in your faith journey? What step are you on? Are you checking God out? Do you see something different in Christians? Are you drawn to the power that you see in people's lives, which is Jesus Christ? Do you realize that they have something you want? You have seen them in their pain and they still have this peace and joy that you can't understand. That's Jesus Christ. It's not any of us. That is Jesus Christ that you're seeing. We're going to see Nebuchadnezzar in the next chapter. He's going to take the step number four in chapter four where he becomes a, a believer, actually reaches salvation. But you don't have to wait till chapter four. You, can, you don't have to wait. If God is calling, you can respond now. You can come to Jesus right now. We're going to pray here in a minute, but I just saw, I had a hymn here. I just thought fit this perfectly. I'm just going to sing a little bit of the chorus. Bear with me here. It's God leads us along. But I just think this is the perfect song for this, this chapter and what we've been looking at. Some through the waters, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Some through great sorrow, but God gives a song in the night season and all the day long god leads us along let's pray how is god leading you right now maybe like nebuchadnezzar you've taken these steps of faith and you're ready to put your faith in jesus the one who stood in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That wasn't the last fire he stood in. He went through the fire on the cross. The fire of the cross. He died on a cross for us. Just like he saved them by being in the fire, he saved us by going onto that cross and dying in our place. He saved us from our sin and from judgment so that we could have real life here now and life forever with his Father in heaven. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? Just like their faith saved them, we need to put our faith in Jesus. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? That's what that word means, to put your complete faith and trust in Jesus. You can do that now. You don't have to wait for chapter 4. You can do it now. The prayer of faith. God, I believe you love me. And you gave your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. For my sin. So that I could be forgiven. He took my punishment so that I could be forgiven. I put my faith in him. I give my life to Jesus. I turn away from the old life and the sin. I give my life to Jesus. I want to live for him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, you have just been delivered from the fire. You have just been given brand new life. A life that starts right this second and will go on through all of eternity. A life with Jesus, walking with you. And if you, maybe you've already put your faith in Jesus, but how is God speaking to us? How is God speaking to us about our witness? Letting people see Jesus in us. 
Maybe we're going through a trial and we change our perspective because we realize that Jesus is with us and he has a purpose for this trial. And he's going to touch other people as they see our peace and our joy. How is God speaking to you through this passage? What trial are you going through? Will you reach out and take Jesus' hand? Hanging on to Jesus and his purpose for what you're going through. Living by faith. Keeping your faith. Father, I pray that every one of us would be prepared. We would go through these trials and be prepared for the bigger trials that are coming our way as it comes closer to the time of Jesus, second coming. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.